I'd like to say something to Israelis and to everyone else. We are human beings, and you are human beings. We want to live just as much as they want to live. We don't want more than what they want from life. We want them to have a normal life, and for us to have a normal life, and live together peacefully. You're listening to Gaza Up Close, a podcast by Gisha about what happens when two million people are denied the basic right to freedom of movement. I'm Lital Firestone. Today, we want to understand how the closure on Gaza has stagnated the economy. We'll hear from a prominent Palestinian businessman who runs a candy factory in Gaza. According to him, our best chance at understanding the disintegration in Gaza is to fill our vision with sweets. My name is Muhammad Tilbani. I'm the manager of Al Auda factories in Gaza and manager of Mr. Tilbani Company in Hebron. There isn't a child in Gaza who wouldn't recognize the taste of Al Auda ice cream, wafers and biscuits sold in sweet shops and kiosks throughout the Strip. But on May 30th, 2007, a truck left the Al Auda factory in Gaza destined for the West Bank for what would be its last delivery out of Gaza to this day. In June 2007, following Hamas's takeover of Gaza, Israel closed the commercial crossings between Israel and Gaza to all outgoing goods, stopping Al Auda's trade with the West Bank and Israel altogether. Later, Israel declared Gaza a hostile entity. Since 2007, some changes in access policy have occurred despite Hamas still being in power, but food products continue to be banned for exit. Right now, it's as if we're drowning. We are struggling not to drown. We can save ourselves or we can drown. We are at a point of continuous struggle. Tilbani and all of the residents of Gaza have experienced three major military operations in the past 12 years, the last of which was in the summer of 2014. The fire went on for 50 days. For 50 days, we were putting out the fire. In 2014, the Israeli army began a military operation in Gaza following the kidnapping and murder of three Israeli teenagers in the West Bank. The offensive left around 2,200 Palestinians dead in the Gaza Strip, more than 50% of whom were civilians. In the midst of Operation Protective Edge, Tilbani's factory sustained a direct hit. Due to a shortage of water in Gaza and the large quantity of highly flammable substances present, a fire that broke out at the factory from the bombardment burned for days. Tilbani had stored enough materials in stock to last for six months of operations because he knew that the entrance of goods into Gaza could be restricted at any time. The fire destroyed it all including equipment, machinery, 
and thousands of liters of fuel for the generators used by the factory during Gaza's regular blackouts. The fire was still going on, but I kept putting orders to bring in raw materials from abroad because I didn't lose hope. It was a very hard time, but those who have faith and patience believe that this is fate from God. I didn't think it was the end of it. I didn't feel that everything I did in the past 45 years was gone within 2-3 hours. When the war was over, I started removing all the marks that the war has left and turned the blackness into whiteness. I painted all the broken buildings with white so we could feel better working there. As the dust settled, the world was struck with images of the ruins and chipped in to support Gaza's reconstruction. Tilbani managed to get his factory up and running again over the next few years, but restrictions on entry and exit of goods remained in place. Tilbani realized that under a continued state of closure, his business was not sustainable with Gaza as its sole market. He couldn't bring equipment to build new production lines into Gaza, and because Israel still prevents the sale of processed foods made in Gaza to the West Bank, opening another branch of al Auda was the only way of returning to the market in the other part of the Palestinian territory. So that's what he did. Our research coordinator at Kisha, Hala Abdelhadi, and I traveled to Hebron last November to see the new factory Tilbani built in the West Bank. When Tilbani picked us up, I immediately recognized him from his photos, with a trimmed white beard and a sharp blue suit. As our car crawled up an unpaved road, caked in orange dirt from the previous day's rain, Tilbani told us how his small, home-based sweet-making workshop became the most popular sweets company in Gaza over 40 years ago. Finally, we arrived at the new factory, splayed proudly underneath the Hebron Mountains and beating sun, Sitting down among piles of candy and endless glasses of coffee, Tilbani described to us the absurdity of his situation. Up to now, you can say that our plan is for the Gaza factory to help this one here, because there it's the main factory. In the future, I hope it will be good and it will benefit everyone. I have a plan to produce here and send the goods into Gaza. Why? Because here there's electricity and it's easier to do things and we can ship it into Gaza. Business people in Gaza point to Israel's restrictions on exit of goods from Gaza to the West Bank, Israel, and abroad as one of the greatest impediments to economic development because local purchasing power in Gaza is extremely limited. The inability to market processed foods to Gaza's closest and most natural markets in the West Bank and Israel impedes technological development and revenue in the food industry, as well as suppressing job growth in a place with alarmingly high rates of unemployment. But how is the closure upheld if it is so detrimental to Palestinian livelihoods? We spoke with Gisha's executive director, Tanya Harry, to understand further. People in Gaza are being prevented from accessing resources outside of the Strip in order to pressure or punish the Hamas authorities in Gaza. 
This kind of instrumentalization of people who are subject to Israeli control and to whom Israel has corresponding responsibilities is a breach of Israel's obligations under international law, in particular the prohibition on collective punishment. Israel's primary security rationale for the closure is to prevent what it calls transfer of terrorist infrastructure um, from Gaza to the West Bank. But obviously, restrictions on movement and trade, they block out um, the prospect of normal life, jobs, the economy, family life, and a lot more. There are legitimate security needs, but people overlook the fact that most of the restrictions are actually about political goals. Putting aside politics to the politicians and terrorism to terrorists, we're not interested in this. We are business people trying to create jobs for people to allow them to live in dignity and would also like to live in dignity, nothing more than that. Today we heard from Mohammed Talbani about how Israel's restrictions on selling certain goods outside of Gaza inhibits both his dream and the economic opportunities of thousands of Gaza residents. To learn more about Tilbani's creativity and innovation in the face of such obstacles, listen to the next episode. Thanks for listening to Gaza Up Close.